G'day and welcome to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one weekly Australian podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. You can listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow and via podcast on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. Search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast and hit subscribe. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. Major podcast sponsor, NTI, nti.com.au. This week's show is another biggie with Kim Freeman from 50 for a Farmer sharing information about the great run they're doing this weekend. We farewell an old friend, Mike chats with Glenn Castanelli about electronic logbooks, and we continue our truck modifications feature with part two of our chat with Adam Gibson from NTI. We've got more great music, and as always, our take on the latest news. There's a heck of a lot more than that, so hang on tight, this is going to be a wild ride. from Outback Chuckers and when I'm on the road we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road but when we're on the road we're listening to the big rigs on the road <laughs> some of you remember I did the Caring for Our Farmers water run last year to Coonabarabin Kim Freeman from 50 for a Farmers, a great friend of mine and we're going to have a chat about what's going on with us this weekend Kim how are you, mate? Good, Mike. Thanks for calling me and giving us a bit of a shout-out. That's all right. Now, listen, I came across you when I was doing the water run last year, and we were in Coonabarabin on the same weekend, but we didn't cross paths we were going to. Now we've joined forces to do this job down at Bega, and we're going to go down there and we're going to pump some money into the community down there. What else have you guys done, though, apart from the run that you did up to Coonabarabin? In November last year, we went to Mendoran and we took with us $6,800 and some toiletries and gifts for kids. Right. But you've done a few other things as well, haven't you? Didn't you do something with some feed or something at one stage? Oh, yes. When we went to Coonabarabran, we took lots of stock feed. We set up an account for people to put some money in so that we could buy stock feed and working dog feed. We took all that with us to Coonabarabran and ours was called Convoy to Coonabarabran. That's right, it was. And of course, you had a bit of sponsorship from K&S and a few other people at the time and more power to them for helping you out. Yes, K&S donated a truck and a driver and the fuel to carry our water and hay up to Coonabarabran. It was great. It was. So, you've got the mending fences thing on that you've been doing, haven't you? That's separate for what we're doing this weekend though, isn't it? Separate, but not separate. It's where we have Waratah Fencing giving us a discount. So, whatever money we get, we're going to get more bang for our buck. Yep. So we're trying to see if we can get people to get with their friends and family and sporting groups in their streets yep. and to donate and to buy a star picket or a maxi post or a steel strainer or some wire. It's all pretty cheap though, isn't it? When you go to put in a kilometre of fence, it starts to cost a bit of money, doesn't it? Yes, well, a maxi post is about 10 bucks, mm. and they're Aussie-made too from up in Newcastle. Yep. But when you need a 1,000 of them... <laughs> It gets a little bit out of hand, doesn't yes. it? So we just thought we'd put it out there and see what we can do. If we can get some donated and some money into our bank account, then, you know, as I said, with the discount from Waratah fencing, yeah. we get more bank for our buck for it. And that all goes to the farmers that had their fences destroyed in the fires 
All right, so putting on my Caring for Our Farmers hat for a moment, I can just say that I'm very proud to be working with you guys on the project. We're going to do what we can down there over the Australia Day long weekend and I'm looking forward to getting down there and having a bit of a chat to a few people, meeting a few people. We're going to go for a drive down the cars. There's going to be no trucks this time. No, no trucks, just a convoy. I don't know, we've got maybe eight, ten cars or so coming. Yep. And we've got some farmers lined up. We're going to have morning tea with the farmers on the Sunday. Yeah, we've got a few things. Do a bit of shopping, spend some money in the local area. Yep. Not just bigger, but surrounding towns. Yep. Um, you know, buy some pickles and jams and stuff and just sort of spread some out-of-area cash into the area. Sounds like a lot of fun. Mm. I'm glad I'm going to be there with you doing it. Caring for our farmers is supporting you guys. We've got a Facebook page, but I want people to visit you on your Facebook page and make donations directly to you. So 50 for a farmer on Facebook and all your details are there, aren't they? They sure are, Mike. The bank account details and all that, it's all on there. So yeah, get in and let's help mend some fences for some of these farmers that lost everything. Righto. Thanks for joining us, mate. And I will see you tomorrow. Yes, bright and early in the morning. Oh, I can hardly wait. (laughs) Righto. See you, mate. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. It's with sadness that we share the news of the passing of well-known and highly respected Aussie trucking identity, Jim Pearson Sr. Mr Pearson's association with the transport industry began almost 70 years ago when he purchased the Caltech service station at Marks Point south of Newcastle. In 1955, Mr Pearson started Lake Macquarie Freighters and Macquarie Transport before moving to Port Macquarie in 1974 and establishing Jim Pearson Transport. A strong safety advocate, Jim was one of the first to introduce satellite tracking across his fleet to manage fatigue and was also involved in the early development of TruckSafe. He was recognised for his dedication and commitment to industry with the ATA's Outstanding Contribution to the Trucking Industry Award in 2010. In 2015, Jim Pearson Transport won the TruckSafe John Kelly Memorial Award for its strong safety culture and passion for improving safety outcomes within the business and the wider community. Mr Pearson was also a life member of the Long Distance Road Transport Association, Nat Road, and a member of the Transport Hall of Fame. From all of us here at On The Road, our sincere condolences to his wife, his extended family, and his friends. Vale Jim Pearson, Sr. G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. I've got Glenn Castanelli from the National Road Freighters Association with us. He's not here to speak to us in that capacity today. He's here to speak to us about electronic logbooks and things like that. But just in the interest of full disclosure, I've spoken about Glenn before. We've had a number of conversations off air about different matters. And we're going to have a bit of a conversation now on air, so to speak, about some issues that both he and I have identified with electronic logbooks and perhaps a bit of a talk about general things in the transport industry from his point of view. How are you, Glenn? How's you going, mate? What's the story? Where are you? 
I'm at Mount Hope and I'm heading home with a load of fertiliser on, mate. Right, eh? Yeah. So you have for a bit of a Sunday drive and heat should be a bit warm out there, isn't it, mate? Yeah, it's a bit warm out here. <laughs> so on these e-log things, now I wrote about them in February 2019 and I said that they're a double-edged sword. I think they're a good thing. I've been running one myself for about three, three and a half years now. I haven't got a problem with it. The biggest problem that I've actually encountered probably is sometimes you don't get to stop at the roadhouse you want to stop at or the parking bay you want to stop at. And you've actually got to think about what you're doing with respect to where you have a shower and all that sort of thing. And sometimes you don't get the time to catch up with an old mate and have a cup of coffee or something like that. It's sort of changed the way I do business, but it hasn't really affected getting the job done. Is that the same experience that you've had since you started using them? Yeah, I'll find it the same, Bob. For me, it's really no different than using the paper one. Yeah. I was running a legal book all the time anyway, so for me, it's no different. Yeah, but what I mean to say is that, you know, as I've said, the difference between, say, Maroolan and Sutton Forest is when you're coming through Goulburn is like 45 minutes. So if you haven't got 45 minutes and you want to stop at Sutton Forest, you're stuck with the option of stopping at Maroolan. Sometimes if you're going to have a long break or something like that, that's fine. But I'd much rather be parked at the back of the shell at Sutton Forest than at the BP at Maroolan. You know, it's a little bit quieter. Yeah, look, mate, there's EWDs and there's EWDs. To be honest, if you can't get where you want to get in six hours, you know, like really. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You and I both know that things can change in a heartbeat on the road. You can be caught in an accident or something like that. I mean, last Friday is a classic example for me. Well, I was supposed to go from Botany up to a power station up there near Lithgow and come home. Now, that is something that you can do in a day quite easily. Go from my depot here down the road from where I live into Botany, load get up there and unload and get home again and it should never be a challenge your last friday even though it didn't end up being a challenge it could have been i got stuck in an accident on the m5 for over an hour in the traffic and lost time there so that ended up throwing out the schedule where i load i got caught in a queue of trucks loading which ultimately meant i took longer to load and then i'm going up the blue mountains and i got caught in another accident got held up there for a time slowed me down which made me later than I wanted to be at the delivery which ultimately put me in the traffic coming home the whole day just went sideways and it's all on the e-log and you really can't not that you should because it's illegal manipulate your book you've got no wiggle room at all have you not really there's not a lot of wiggle room the one I use is only entry specific so it only takes your position when you create an entry yeah so that's why I said we're talking about two completely different things yeah even with a paper logbook, you've still got to follow the rules, or we all should still be following the rules. So, Of course. I'm not advocating anyone doesn't follow the rules. What I am saying is that if you're using the paper logbook, and I'd be lying if I said otherwise. There were times when I rounded down instead of up. You, know, you pull up 10 minutes later than where you should have been, and instead of having a 15-minute break, you fill your book out, you go and do whatever you're going to do, and you have your 15 minutes, but it doesn't line up with the logbook, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know that that's the truth, don't you, Glenn? That's what people do. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the reality of the paper logbook. That's what guys do. Yeah, speaking to lots of people about their logbooks, that is the biggest worry that they have. Yeah. They won't be able to round up or round down. Yeah. Or if they get stuck, they'll be in a spot of bother and they won't be able to continue. Yeah. They are genuine concerns. But look, I think for the industry, it's a great thing because it takes that pressure off the driver. He knows he's driving down the road with no errors in his logbook that he can cop a fine for. 
it's probably time the driver sort of let go of that self sort of given responsibility of making sure everything happens for everybody else and just sort of picked up the phone and said to operations or whoever they're working for that the computer says no I can only make it to here. Yeah, oh yeah, mate, absolutely 100% correct. And in my situation, specifically operations can look at what time I started and where I went. They can look at me on the GPS tracking and see what's been going on. They know and they can consider their operational decisions based on what they can see on their screen of what I have and haven't done. So at the end of the day, it's a great thing. And I mean, let's face it, if we didn't have logbooks at all, and there would be some guys that would still do the right thing without logbooks, but there would be a few who are the unscrupulous ones who would be saying to their driver, well, come on, mate, you need to get that there because, you know, if you don't get that there, you'll be looking for another job. And that's the way it used to be. And we both know that that's true as well. Oh, exactly. And it might get rid of that competitive advantage that people find by getting their driver to do multiple pickups and deliveries and still get from capital city to capital city. Yeah. That's really what sort of sparks my interest in the EWD. Yeah. Well, logbooks are there to protect the driver, I think. Yes. But the reality of it is, is that there are those employers out there that want to load the last kilo, that want you to run to the ragged edge every day. And sometimes that doesn't match up with the realities of what we're doing on the road. So we've got the situation where we don't have decent rest areas in a lot of places. We don't have a lot of facilities. As Ken Wilkie said to me when I was talking to him last week, the first thing you do when you pull up is that you want to ease the strain on your body one way or another. And if there's no facilities, then what do you do? You end up fouling the rest area that you're in, don't you? Well, that's right. And even out here, I find you've got to carry your own toilet paper out here. Did you find that, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've got to carry a lot more than your own toilet paper in some places. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> Everywhere I go, there isn't any, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right, mate. Truck drivers don't need to do anything like that, apparently, because we don't have them in the rest areas. We don't need them. No. Yeah, but I, no. I mean, the, the electronic lookbook is not something that I'm scared of. But having said that, if you're a driver and you're on trip money and you're stuck in a traffic jam on the M7 at 1 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, which is often the case, or 6.30 or 7.30 in the morning and something goes pear-shaped on the M5 and you're going in, or the M80 ring road running around Melbourne, or the Gateway Motorway in Brisbane, it doesn't matter. They all turn into car parks at regular times during the day. The clock doesn't stop because you've stopped. And I fear that drivers are going to end up being in the situation where the RMS or whatever transport body can plug into your electronic logbook and have a look. And they won't even have to look. The book will just tell them where the mistakes are. You're going to end up with blokes being collateral damage through no fault of their own. That's right. In the EWD, you put in the compliance screen to hand it to the law enforcement. Yep. And it already lists any breaches you have in that work diary. So probably <laughs> the only breach that you should have in the work diary would be if you've had a split rest break because the work diary will still register that as a breach because it's only a, an allowable defence. Yep. I just wish that all drivers would just think about what they're doing and just stop covering up for everyone else. It's not your truck and it's not your freight. Mm. In some cases, if I was an owner driver, it was your truck. Yeah. But it's only a phone call, just to make that phone call and say, look, it's going to be late. And that makes the road safer for everybody. The other week when there was a five-hour wait at the Victorian border or a four-hour wait. Yeah. Because having, but a lot of companies dealt with that really well. Yeah. They were able to view their trucks were all going to be late. They put procedures in place and whatever to mitigate that risk. We're working in the world where everybody is watched. You're tracked everywhere. You go to the survey, you're on a video. You put your fuel card through the machine. You've created a trace. Your mobile phone, if you're in a serious enough accident, they'll get the data and the location points for your mobile phone. 
So thinking that you're going to run up and down the highway and be able to manipulate your logbook, that's great. You'll get away with it a million times. I was speaking to another driver the other day, and he's been involved in two fatalities. Wow. He says, people tell him, oh, no, it's never going to happen to me. But it does happen. And, you know, lightning can strike twice. You know, lightning does strike. Yeah. You might not get struck by lightning your whole life, but it does strike. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to, Mike. With litigation and that for drivers who have been involved in accidents where they've been viewed with cameras in their cab using their mobile phone and they're being sued, you've got all these different things happening in the industry, mate. Mm. And poor little old driver, he just needs to lift that burden, you know. And, and also the EWD is just lifting the burden off his shoulders of all that worry and enjoying driving, mate. And that's what I'm doing now. Yep. My greatest fear, though, Glenn, is that there are guys out there who do work for people, as I said, who want to run to the ragged edge all the time. Mm. I don't care who you are or how well you know a particular piece of road or how well you know the rest areas and things like that. We can't predict what's going to be happening at the rest area 50 kilometres up the road, half an hour away. No, that's right, mate. But in answer to that question, those drivers being pushed to the ragged end, I tell those drivers, just say, see you later, mate, and go get another job, you know, like, <laughs> We're crazy because <laughs> there's such a huge driver shortage yep. and good experienced drivers, there's a such a shortage for them. And here we are taking a job where you've got to do stuff that's illegal. You know, look, what would you even bother? And you won't get an argument out of me, mate. We'll be back for the rest of this great chat right after this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. I can remember as a young bloke working for different people, trying to get experience. You know, you're the young bloke. Put yourself in this position, Glenn. Yep. Now, you and I have been around for a little while and we have seen every possible shark move that can be played in this game, I think, you and me between us. Yep. And we both know that there's that young bloke out there who's finally managed to land himself a job. He's got to get that experience somewhere and you can't buy it, can you? No, you can't. So he's finally got the job. Someone has taken the punt on him and they've stuck him in one of their old bangers and they've said, I'm going to get you to take that up the road. And he's excited and he gets the keys thrown to him and he chucks his gear in and he's off. You know, he's finally doing what he wants to do. And he's working there and everything's cool for a week or so, you know. And then something happens. The job doesn't go the way it was expected to. It's no one's fault. It just happens. That's the way it goes. And the boss says to him, hey, listen, I need that truck back in Melbourne or wherever tomorrow. And, you know, I need you to be around at XYZ place to load by lunchtime, mate, and I need you to make that happen. Yep, and that is the exact reason why drivers, although all care, but they are actually not part of the chain of responsibility, mate. 
because they have no power in those decisions. Yeah, I, mate, I get it. But what does that young bloke do? Oh. I can tell you, mate, 99.9% of the time, he doesn't have the wherewithal to say, well, it's 2 a.m. and I'm tired and I have just got to go to bed, you know. Yeah. He tries to push it through and most of the time he'll get away with it. But that one time he won't, he'll stick it into the scenery and everyone will stand around scratching their head and go, oh, gee, that's unfortunate, that happened. <laughs> but you and I both know that it does, has and will happen in the future. The only answer for it, I mean, I appreciate that electronic logbooks are great, now, they should rule all that sort of stuff out, but you yourself have just said that yours only marks where you are when you put a location in it. You can throw your logbook in the bunk, can't you? Well, you can, and you're breaking the law, but your employer also, in lots of cases, they don't. Mm. And I see that a lot in my role as an auditor, but mm. the employer is supposed to take all reasonable steps to check your work and rest hours and make sure that they comply. Yep. These days, you can't really get away. If you've got a few trucks, you can't really get away without not having it tracking, without not mm. studying your driver's logbook pages, you know, and that's their responsibility. And we've got changes coming through for the NHVR for the standards and for the NHVAS accreditation. Yep. And some of those, they've upped the ante on, on that you have to be a fit and proper person to hold accreditation, to hold BFM. And I think you've just sort of hit on the mark there, which is that's slowly coming into the industry where they want to make sure that if you're operating a transport company, that you're a fit and proper person to follow the rules and regulations. Yep. Yeah. Don't take me the wrong way. Then I'm just playing the devil's advocate. Yep. Because like you, I've seen every single way that you can manipulate the rules. Oh, yeah. If you have a listen to what someone like Jerry Brown Sars got to say, it's quite chilling the way things used to be. And to some extent, for some fellas, the way things still are. You and I both know they're out there, mate. A lot of young blokes are really excited about that because they want to go and work for someone who works how things used to be, you know. Mm. And that does cause part of the problem is, you know, the big shiny truck and go hard all night and work all day. Yeah. Outlaw truckers for life, mate. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Funny though, it sorts them out though when they when they discover what it costs to be an outlaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it does. It does. And I've come across that many truck drivers that have had logbook infringements. Yeah. In my dealings with the electronic work diary, it's gobsmacking. I've only ever had the one logbook infringement, and that was when Victoria decided they were going to count for many fifteen-minute period and forgot to tell anybody about it. It is mind-boggling, mate, how many people actually do get logbook fines. I'd be lying if I said I was 100% happy about it when I started, but right now I can tell you that when the arrow goes for me to come in at Maroolan or at Mount White or Mount Victoria or wherever, I know that I'm not going to get pinged for a logbook. I know that. It's a good feeling. Takes a lot of pressure off you, but then for me, right now where I'm working, if the day goes on, the pay goes on, so I don't have that same aggravation and stress if I'm stuck in the traffic jam. Yeah. I know what it's like to be stuck in the traffic jam and have 10 minutes on your logbook and you have to have your seven-hour break and you're not at the end of the M7 yet. It can be quite entertaining as the time starts to run out. And I know that there are some guys out there that won't respond well when the time comes. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I've recently done a bit of casual driving for different people while I'm doing my other things. And up to Christmas, I was doing every couple of days, I'll do a changeover at Tarkata. And I'll be leaving at 10 o'clock at night. And that's some of the hardest driving I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Because if you're not on that regular shift, it is tough going. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you've got to keep going. You've just got to go up there, have half an hour break, and then come back. They don't want you taking any longer. No, that's right. Mm. The logbook says you're good to go, so you're good to go. That's the end of it. 
Yeah, yeah, but it's some of the toughest driving I've ever done. And you wouldn't think it was, but it was. So the thing that we really wanted to talk about was the portability issue. Now, as it stands right now, there are four logbooks that are approved to be used. You've got one, I've got a different make one, and there are a couple of others. And without naming names, we're required to keep 28 days worth of records with us in the truck at all times. So you've got your system with a tablet that you can take out and take with you. Is that your tablet or is that? Yes, it's my tablet. The portability thing is is one of the issues and so is the issue of whose logbook is it though. Yeah. That's also another issue that's coming up at the moment. Yeah. So what have you got to say about those two issues? The portability between the EWDs, although it's early days now, they are going to all talk to each other. All right. So when you sign into your logbook, does it ask you if you've used another EWD? <laughs> no, it doesn't, no. No, it doesn't, no, right here. Mine does. <laughs> so, and that way you can cross-check the data. So yeah. the data is supposed to follow you around. Like your license and, and your name and everything creates a unique ID mm. that follows you around from system to system. Right. And the other point I've been coming across, to be honest, this was brought up mostly by businesses themselves. They don't own logbooks. The logbooks aren't theirs, it's the drivers. Yeah. So they want a system that's going to help them with their review process of your work and rest hours, Mm. but it's not their logbook. (laughs) It's not, is it? It's the driver's logbook, and that's part of the reason I've got the one I've got and, and not the one you've got is because the one I've got, any driver in Australia who wants a logbook can get hold of this one and he can use it, and he can cart it around with him in his pocket. Yeah. The one you've got is stuck in the truck. Yeah, well, mine is a hard-mounted one, but you can get them on a tablet. Yeah, but if you took it home with you and used it in your mate's truck on the weekend, would the boss have something to say about that? At the moment, I expect he would because our system is not being used in that way. But You know what I mean? Like mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can jump in anyone's truck and drive it, you know, because yeah. I've got my logbook yeah. in my pocket. Yeah. yeah, the ownership of the logbook is the driver's. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of these EWD companies have really missed the mark. They're flogging last century's technology, which is a box stuck in your truck, yeah. where everybody is pretty well just app-based now. So I find it great, mate. I, I use it on a little phone. I use it on a tablet. And mm. I can drive for anyone. You have a day off or whatever, or you, you're on holidays, and your mate says, oh, you want to go do a trip for me somewhere? You can just go and jump in their truck. Yeah. But how do you go with giving your employer your yellow pages, for example? If I'm linked to that employer, if that employer's got the same system as me, with mine, they just get a free portal and they can just link drivers to their business. And this is how the system is supposedly supposed to work. When you're a link driver to a business, as soon as you link, that business gets access to the last 28 days of your records. Yes. And any records that you create while you're working for them. And then when you leave, then they just de-link you and then you can get linked up with someone else. But if you're one of the drivers who have chosen to get a EWD, I run that service for them sort of in the background and they're linked to a, a solo driver area that I have and they can actually output the reports straight out of their EWD yeah. and just email them directly to their record keeper. So it's pretty user-friendly, mate. Right. And it's going to change. Like we're only at the very start of it, aren't we, you know? We are at the very start of it and unfortunately, you know, I wrote an article not long ago, how do you annoy a truck driver, how do you change something? <laughs> Yeah. And I don't know if you read that or not, mate, but I can tell you now, yeah. some of the conversations I've had have been less than civil. <laughs> oh, 
I, I know, but this is like just one step, I think, in the changes that we need to make. Yeah. Because I've heard you say before, you know, you can pick up a truck and life from the 1970s and yep. we're, we're all still complaining about the exact same things. Yep, we sure are, mate. Yep. Blokes like yourself and Rod Hennessy and Trevor Warner and all trying to put that as something from the past, you know. And, and this is probably just one thing that's going to help that, I think. Yeah. As I said, I've got nothing against electronic work diaries. I really don't. To that end, I think that they're you know, a pretty good thing. And I, I do have reservations about how prescriptive the system is. You know, one size fits all when we're not all the same. Yeah. But that's the way it goes. I say it to some people that if you need to pull up, you just pull up. That's right. I had a bloke say to me, likes to stop at this parking bay, but he always puts in his book that he stops at the next one. Yeah. And there's really no real logical reason for that. You know what I mean? Mm. But he just sort of thinks it looks better in the book. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I've had that conversation. I've had it. Yeah. If you can get to that next parking bay in your six hours, well, we can just jump out and kick the tyres if he needs to at that other parking bay and go down to the next one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even start me. <laughs> yeah. The worst part about it is, though, you know, like we do what we do. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, it's not really a job. It's a lifestyle of what long-distance drivers do. We don't see our mates that very often. And you pull up at a roadhouse, mate of yours is there and you haven't seen him for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or whatever and you rock in and you sit down you have a cup of coffee and you chew the fat for a little bit when i was running the paper logbook i admit it i'll put my hands out now so that the highway patrol can come and cuff me and lock me up but you know you'd sit there for half an hour and you'd chew the fat and you'd find out what was going on you'd catch up with everyone you'd talk about the freight rates when i was known a driver i'm talking about Yep, yep and you'd find out what was going on and you'd do all that what the people these days call networking. You know, we used to do that. It was called having a yarn with your mates. Yep. And you might waste half an hour, but it wasn't really wasted. But you'd go back out in the book and you'd adjust your book appropriately <laughs> <laughs> to be where you should be to make sure you got the job done tomorrow. Yep. Now, I've got to say, I've never paid a price for that in as much as you used to do what was sensible. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that we're creating a bunch of little automatons, and I don't think that that's good. Look, I don't either. I think we all should think about getting paid more for what we do. Oh, yeah. Like you're getting paid from start to finish for the day, you know, and that's a better issue to worry about, thinking about whether you use a paper or electronic logbook, mate, for sure. We should be a bit more relaxed, and then we're always safer on the road because we're not as stressed and pressed and get paid more for what we do so we don't have to do as much. <laughs> well, mate, the day goes on, but the pay doesn't go on when you're on trip money. <laughs> That's right. I honestly can't understand it, mate. Like, if there's such a driver shortage, yeah. why do we all struggle to get paid the basic award rates? Yeah. It's just mind-boggling, mate. Can of worms we haven't got time for, mate. We need to talk to Glenn Stirl. Mate, I'm going to let you go because I've had you for 30 minutes. You need, you've need, had your rest now. You need to get going. Yeah, I think I can go for six hours now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Love your work, Glenn. Thanks very much for making the time to have a chat with us on the road today and we'll see you down the track. No worries, Mike. Love the show, mate. Thank you. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. Hey everyone, Kermie here. Hope you're travelling well, staying safe and on the right side of the white line, by which of course I mean the left. 
I also hope you're tuning in to the On The Road podcast with Mike and Andy, because if you're not, two things will happen. One, you'll be missing out on some great interviews, a good few laughs, and what's generally going on out there in truckland. Uh, what's the other thing? Ah, that's it. You won't have heard this plug for On The Road. Hmm. Okay then, so, those of you who are already on here, go and tell your mates about On The Road. They can find it on Spotify or iTunes at On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. But you knew that, didn't you? Because you're already... Yeah, look, just go and sell them, okay? Cheers, and take care of you. On The Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. It's news time, Mike, and I reckon that we should make a pact right now that we won't discuss US presidential inaugurations, mandatory mask wearing, or the test cricket for that matter. No worries, mate. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> nice to hear your smiling face again, mate. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm wonderful, mate. Good. Wonderful. Good. Sitting under the shade of a tree on the side of the Yim Highway. Is it a Coolabar tree? Could be. For the sake of the exercise, we'll say that it is. It works better that way. <laughs> Does, doesn't it? Mate, technology is on the move again. In this case, we're hearing of NHVR-sanctioned drones being rolled out <laughs> to help the regulator monitor high-risk truck movements around the country. Because there are so, so many high-risk truck movements, mate. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, if I've had one phone call on this, I've had 20. Yeah. Mum told me a million times not to exaggerate, so I've probably had about 10. Okay. <laughs> you know, people are absolutely incandescent about this. As if we haven't got enough monitoring us with you know, fixed wave bridges, with fixed cameras, with cameras, cameras, cameras all over the place. Yep. Every time you go through a tollway, every time you answer the damn phone. Smile, you're on candid camera. <laughs> now the NHVR want to have these cameras. I thought this was a joke when someone first told me this until I read the story. Mm. And they put the tender through with the Q tender process. But we're not going to run them in Queensland. No, no, no. No, we're going to run them in the southeastern states. Well, I have got four people that want to talk about this for something to talk about, mate. Seriously. Good, good. So we're going to go into this in great, great detail. I actually had someone sarcastically ask me if they're going to mount rockets on these things. <laughs> you know, are they going to be Patriot drones to blow up the bad guys? I don't know. But these cameras apparently to assist the NHVR's officers in undertaking intelligence-led, risk-based approach to safety by ensuring enforcement efforts target the greatest safety risks. Yeah. Well, good God. We're going to end up with more drones in the air than we've got people on the ground the way it's going. Mate, it's just disturbing. It really is. Hmm. And as I said, we'll be talking about this later. Trevor Warner was actually reading up about this yesterday and he wants to talk about this, so we'll see what happens. All I can say is the boys are incandescent. Read the article. Read the tender. Yeah. They put a little picture on this story of a little domestic drone that you go and buy in Hobby Co and you fly around and take a lovely photo of the roof of your house with. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. No. Stay tuned, folks. There will be more on this coming up soon. Now, Mike, the next stage of construction is underway at the Riverina Intermodal Freight and Logistics Hub in Wagga. Yes, they've turned the first sods there, the 60-hectare Bowman Industrial Precinct in Wagga to export freight across Australia and the globe well underway. 43 and a bit million they're going to spend on this little project. Wow. Regional freight hubs are a great idea. It's going to be an intermodal facility. What that means is that there's going to be containers and all sorts of things going in and out of there. They're going to work it with the rail and the roads and try and basically reduce a few truck movements. Mm. It's going to be big and we'll, I look forward to seeing the development. 
and still on the subject of freight hubs, it seems to be they're happening everywhere, mm. it's expected that up to 80,000 annual truck trips will be taken off Sydney's motorways with the opening of the St Mary's Freight Hub later this year. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how Transurban are going to explain that to the shareholders. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just too cynical, aren't I? The bit. Mate, I did the maths on this, yep. and it's something like $20 million that's just a straight hit on the bottom line of Transurban. Right. <laughs> Forgive me if I find that funny after the North Connects Tunnel. Hmm. 301,000 shipping containers onto the rail each year. Now, what this means is that they're going to take containers from the port out to this freight hub by a little rail network which already exists, mm -hmm. and they're going to actually transship them onto trucks to do the last mile delivery with the trucks. So there are still going to be trucks involved. What's going to happen is that the truck movements off the M5, M7, M4 corridors are going to be greatly reduced. Right. So that's the plan. Pacific National have partnered with Port Logistics Operator ACFS and they're going to manage this uh, St Mary's Freight Hub and it's going to be one of those things that goes ahead. I think people will be happier to see a few less truck movements. Maybe Transurban won't be, but life will go on. It will go on indeed. Mm. And, mate, the federal and state governments are pushing ahead with plans for a Singleton bypass on the New England Highway. Hooray. <laughs> Seriously. Singleton is a bottleneck. There's like 3,700 trucks a day go through Singleton. Mm. And you can nearly set your watch by the traffic jam in Singleton. Yeah. $560 million has been committed to the project by the federal government, another $140 million by the state government. Think to do for Singleton what was done for Scone. Yep. So we're going to have a little road that goes around and it's just going to do wonderful things. It'll free up a lot of the streets there and life a little bit more comfortable now. There's a misunderstanding that the actual trucks go through the main street in Singleton. They don't. It's a main side street. It's not the main business street, if that makes any sense. Yep. So you drive through the town, but it's a heck of a bottleneck there. One of the complaints that you'll often hear when you put a bypass in about a town that some of the industry and some of the shops and things like that suffer from a loss of business because people don't stop there anymore. And I suppose there may be some of that, but I think that the, the people that are transiting through Singleton they're not doing it in the same way that they do in other small towns. The McDonald's and all that sort of thing might suffer a little bit of a loss from people driving through, but I don't think that it's going to be too great. But I'll tell you what it will do. It will save you three quarters of an hour going through Singleton in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. Now, here's a stupid idea for you. Mm -hmm. Why, with these bypasses, don't they make them truck only? <laughs> make it so that the main traffic goes through the town yeah. and the trucks only go through the bypass? Mate, uh... I can't answer that question. Yeah, good. That's all right. That's beyond my pay grade. It's a wonderful idea, though. It was just something that floated through my head, but you'd think it'd be possible to do it and it'd make the truckers happy and it'd make the businesses happy. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can make everyone happy, mate. It's not possible. No, I tried once. <laughs> anyway, now I believe you've been flooded with emails regarding rest areas. What's the story? I don't know about actually flooded. Flooded's probably an exaggeration. And as I said, mum told me a million times not to exaggerate. Well, flooding's an inch of water or more, so we'll run with flooded. <laughs> flooded. I've had a couple of phone calls. Now, remember last week we talked about the national standard for truck rest areas? I remember we had a, a small giggle about that, yeah. Yeah, but giggle because I suggested there wasn't one. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I was wrong. No, you must be mistaken. <laughs> well, I thought I was. But I've had several people that have emailed me. To point out my error. Good. There is a guideline for national heavy vehicle rest areas, and it's really quite thorough. It's about a 1,000 pages. No, that's an exaggeration. Again, mm. it's 50-odd pages. I read the first 10 pages before I went to sleep. 
So if you're in dire need of sleeping material, you can read it. But one of the things I was talking to Ken Wilkie about, and we were talking about the road train pad there going through Gatton, mm. Ken said to me, and, and I said to Ken, and we both agreed that the, one of the first things you do when you pull up is you want to go and ease the strain on the body somewhere. Yep. I got to the point where I read this about the toilet situation in Class 1 heavy vehicle rest areas. Right. Now, this is in the recommendation. The provision of toilets yep. at other classes of facility influenced by the AADT, the alternative rest area, opportunities such as proximity to towns, motorists' needs, and creating traffic difficulties or what. This whole paragraph suggests that there should be a unisex toilet available at a place where you have no other opportunity to stop and they have the availability of water or whatever it is. Consideration should be given to providing showers as part of the toilet facilities where it's viable to provide and maintain operation of the shower. Mm. So I'm wondering if there is a national standard, and I'm assured now that there is, why does that not apply to somewhere like the Gatton Pad, for example? Yeah. There are no other opportunities for people with no trains to pull up. Yep. It'd be nice to have a shower and all that sort of stuff. My greatest beef with all of this is that you have your occasional rest areas, your main rest areas and all that sort of stuff. And if you look at all the rest areas that are up and down the new highway on the Pacific and you look at what's going on in the rest areas on the Yume, you know, they've all got toilets. Some have showers. The ones at Tarkata, for example, have showers. The newer rest areas have been built are absolutely fine and I've got no problem with any of that segregation and separation of vehicles and all that sort of stuff. Some of the spaces are a little small mm -hmm. considering the combinations are getting larger, but the vast majority of the rest areas that we have in this country do not even meet what these guys call their minimum standards. Yeah. And that's why I made the sarcastic comment about I didn't believe there was a national standard. Yeah. As I say, it turns out I'm wrong. Yeah, with your incredible influence, before you know it, there'll be a lineup of portaloos at Gatton. <laughs> yeah, anyway, mate, as always, we're running out of time. So, in the words of the old Irish blessing, may the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. See you in the soup, mate. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. And here's our little musical treat for you for this week. Around 1950, the late great Leo Fender invented the iconic Fender Telecaster guitar. Now in the early 90s, three of the most sought after American session guitar masters formed a band called the Helicasters to show off the incredible versatility of the guitar that Leo designed way back then. Now if you've got kids or grandkids, you'll recognise this dynamite instrumental piece as the theme from one of the most popular kids' TV shows ever to grace our screens. Here's Will Ray, John Jorgensen and Jerry Donahue, collectively the Helicasters, with the theme from Inspector Gadget.
When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, find out how Seeing Machines Guardian can safeguard your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers. Visit www.seeingmachines.com We're talking truck modifications again this week, continuing on with the chat we had with Adam Gibson from NTI last week. Adam, truck modifications is a fairly broad term. What sort of mods are we talking about here? Trucks and trailers can change a lot from how they're originally built. You know, the vast majority of rigid trucks come in as a cab chassis. They'll have special purpose bodies fitted. They might go and get an agitator bowl to be a cement mixer. They might get a tipping body fitted. So really, other than a few ready-to-work type trucks, Basically, every truck you see on the road is likely to have some modifications from how it was built back at the factory. Okay, and from your point of view as a road safety researcher working with NTI, what concerns do you have in regard to road safety when modifications are done? I'll say that for the most part, we don't see a huge number of serious incidents where modifications to the vehicle are a significant causal factor. And that reflects well on the quality of work out there and the very high standards our industry generally maintains. Mm. In fact, if I had to say my biggest concern when I see a vehicle being modified is not really the mechanical side of the vehicle, but the electrical side. Unfortunately, this is an area that doesn't see enough concern or attention. And the number one in this space is the relocation of battery boxes. Someone might need to take a battery box that was mounted on the outside of the chassis and move it across to between the rails so they can add a hydraulic tank or, or some other piece of equipment. Right. And perhaps the main battery cable is just a little bit too short to reach the new battery location. Mm. You know, they know the right thing is to go and make a new cable. But instead, they cut a few zip ties or remove a few cable clamps, you know, wiggle the thing around and, and pull it out. It's a little bit too tight, but uh, she'll be right. Yeah. And that's the truck that we see burnt to the ground. And the challenge is, is it might not be in two weeks' time. It might be in six months' time. It might have changed hands since then. More often than not, it's not the person who owns the vehicle that has made those bad decisions in the modification. Mm. It can be very difficult for us to recover. So one of the things I'd say is anytime someone is touching the electrical system of your truck, especially those big unfused high current cables for starter motors and alternators, mm. take photographs. I would suggest make it a requirement of paying the modifier's invoice that they provide you with photographs, and then I'd still go and take my own on top of that. Right. Looking beyond that, there's a few vehicle systems that can make modifications a bit more complicated you're modifying the brake system. And that comes up, for example, if you're extending the wheelbase and you need to increase the length of the brake lines, you may need to look at recertifying that brake system. Right. You might get lucky and you might be able to fit within the original manufacturer's variants and it's worth having that discussion with manufacturers. But also be careful not to impede the function of any advanced driver assistance systems like stability control or ABS, EBS, et cetera. Those, those things are, are really key to getting our drivers home safe. The nice part there is we've got some really fantastic aftermarket support for those sorts of systems. 
we couldn't hope genuinely for better support in the aftermarket in that space. So reach out to the right experts and tell them what you want to do and they will be able to advise you on whether it's possible and what steps you need to take to ensure that vehicle is just as safe or safer when you finish modifying it as it was when you started. Yeah, very important. And I assume, Adam, from your point of view, as a road safety researcher, the NTI Natasi reports would give you quite a lot of information that would help you in this respect. Yeah, I'd encourage people to go and have a read. As I said, space where it pops up most often is unfortunately in our non-impact fire claims, which are those high current starter motor power cables. There's a mix. Some of them are issues around modification relevant to this space. Some of them are just around maintenance. Someone pulls a starter motor off to do a like-for-like replacement but doesn't correctly support the starter motor power cable when it's reinstalled. We do see some structural mechanical failure crashes, but it's very, like we're talking, we might have you know less than five incidents like that in a bad year. Mm. And again, I think it reflects very well on the skill and expertise around the vehicles themselves in the heavy vehicle space. But the Australian trucking industry is damn good at trucks. Yes. A lot of sage advice there from Adam Gibson from NTI. Adam, thank you very much for your time and sharing your expertise with us, and we'll look forward to talking with you again soon. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Andy. You have a lovely day. You too. Well, that brings us to the end of another On The Road show. We hope you enjoyed it. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. For all your transport insurance needs, visit the website at nti.com.au. For more On The Road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast, offer suggestions or just let us know what's on your mind, send us an email to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week for the next episode on the road. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech, and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions. Mm